Well, good morning, Connection. So glad that you have joined us um, today. Uh, my name is John, serve as one of the pastors here, and just thrilled to be able to be here and just to share God's word with you. Um, one of the things I was thinking about uh, when I was backstage, one of the, um, I feel like the privileges um, that I have whenever I preach is um, to, to be able to walk back there um, kind of during worship. I love being out here and uh, I love hearing Chase and hearing um, Lindsay and all the different people that, that lead us. Um, but I gotta be honest, one of the most special things is when I hear y'all. And there's something so incredibly powerful, so incredibly encouraging, so incredibly um, moving when you hear God's people collectively raising their voices to God. And that's what we get to do here um, on Sunday mornings. Um, I love listening to worship music in the car, but there's no substitute to hearing God's people worshiping together. I, I hope, I pray that that was your experience this morning as well, um, that you just experienced the goodness of God as we just um, sang praises um, to, to him and um, pray that that's the, the, the same case um, every single Sunday that we're here. Um, one of the things I want you to do is go ahead and pull out um, something to write with, pull out your phone, um, because we have some things coming up that I want you to go ahead and mark your calendars for, some important things that are happening. Um, the first thing is next Sunday. Um, this is October 25th. We are going to have um, our monthly prayer and worship um, time. It's going to be at 6 p.m. I want you to go ahead and make note of that and really try to play, make plans to be here for that. Um, this is a very intentional thing that we do to come together, um, to pray with one another, to worship with one another. But one of the th other things that happens is we invite other churches um, to, that we have relationships with to be a part of this as well. And this is a chance for kind of the big C church to come together and say, look, we're going to agree on Jesus and we're going we're gonna to seek him and we're going to praise him. And this is our opportunity to be able to do that, to be united in that way. And so I want to encourage you to come and be a part of that and make that um, a, a priority each month is that you'll, you'll come here and you'll join with us and we'll spread out in this room and we'll pray for this community. We'll pray for the different churches in the area. We'll pray for our leaders. We'll pray for um, each other and it'll just be a, a unified time that we can do that. Um, the following Friday on the 30th, we have something ladies just for you. We have something called ladies night out. And I know if, if 2020 has told us anything is that we all just need a night out, right? It's just been taxing on us. And so um, ladies, we have something for you, for you to be able to just have a night out with the ladies. I, I feel like that's the thing that um, we've kind of been robbed from is just having that time with one another. And, um, and so this is your chance to be able to do that. And I, I'm going to promise you some things for that night. The, the first thing is that um, if you come here on that night, you're going to have some fun, all right? You're going to be encouraged in God's word. And, and our hope and our prayers that you walk away from that going, man, I needed that. I needed some time with, with my ladies. I need some time singing praises to God. I needed some time just to laugh and just to be poured into. So um, husbands and boyfriends, um, friends, make it a priority for the ladies in your life to come and be a part of that night. We have, again, plenty of room in this auditorium to spread out. We will do it um, online as well, but really want to encourage you to come here and be, be in person, meet with one another and have that time together where you can really just um, be encouraged um, in the word and just encouraged by each other. So I want you to, again, mark your calendars for that. And the last thing um, that I really want you to make note of is we're going to have some more of those Close the Gap experiences coming up, up in November. Um, we're just going to be one in, um, on the 8th, one on the 9th, and one on the 15th. And what those are, and one of the things we've recognized as a church is there is a gap in between the things that we know, the knowledge that we have, maybe the things that we hear on a Sunday morning, and our experience 
experiences and actually doing those things. And so maybe that's hearing God's voice, or maybe that's um, really studying scripture, or maybe us just understanding um, fullness um, in Jesus, that maybe we hear that those things talked about. When it, but when it comes to practically doing those things, maybe we haven't had really experience doing that. And so this is a time for you to come, and this is not going to be a time where you come for two hours and you hear somebody talk um, straight to, to, to you. It's going to be a time that you in a small group collectively all do something together, that you're going to learn how to do this. You're going to experience it um, together. And so if that's something you're interested in signing up for, you can go to our website and get signed up for one of those. We do um, limit the amount of people in that so we can keep it small. Um, to, um, really want to do that intentionally. Um, but um, the, the, the three different ones, you can come to one of them. You can come to all three of them. They, um, they, they are, they're individual from one another, but definitely want to encourage you to, um, to go look that up. Make that um, something that you really um, carve out in your schedule because we really believe um, these things are, are beneficial for us. And um, a little bit later, I want to explain why some of the things that I even I talked about um, this morning already, why they're important to us um, as the body of Christ. And so today um, we are finishing up actually this series um, to be continued. We've been going through the book of Acts and actually after this, we're going to continue going through the book of Acts. But what we're doing is we're splitting up this book into multiple series because what we realize is there's some different themes that you, you see in the book of Acts and um, what happened and the reason we called the, the first couple chapters of Acts to be continued is that um, what we see in this is, is Luke is recording what happens um, after Jesus um, ascends and kind of the responsibility he gives to um, the disciples and the, the church at that time. And, and the, the reality is that the work that Jesus did on earth, he was like, look, it's, it's to be continued, right? There's more to be done. Now it's, now it's on y'all. I've come and I've done my part. Now I'm putting it in your hands for you to carry it on from here. And that's what we begin to see in the beginning chapters of the book of Acts is we see that the, the mission of Jesus was meant to be continued, right? And over the past um, four or five weeks, um, Brandon's really been looking at what, what, what happens in the beginning there, what happens after, <clears throat> excuse me, after Jesus ascended. And, the, and if I had to sum up in the past four or five weeks, the word that comes to mind is power, right? The thing that I feel like Brandon was just, just telling us over and over and over again is for us to understand the power that the Spirit brought, right? That we talked about this last week when we looked at Pentecost and we looked at the Spirit coming to us and that Jesus was now living in each and every one of us, that there was incredible, incredible power that occurred. And I hope that y'all kind of got excited about that and recognized the importance of that and recognized how monumentous of a moment it was when the Spirit came to us. And so, right, the, what we're gonna be reading today is Acts 2, 42 through 47. So if you wanna go and turn there, um, the, what happened right before, this is something Brandon already, already kind of taught us on. This is when Peter stood up and he kind of preached this message and we saw that 3,000 people came to know Jesus on that day. That was a pretty good day at church, right? Um, pretty, pretty cool to see that. And so a lot of awesome things are happening. And what we're reading today, what we're studying today is what was going on with those 3,000? What was the day-to-day -day life like for those 3,000? Whenever you hear people say that, you know, we need to get back to the Acts church, right? We need to get back to what it was like then. This is oftentimes what people refer to. This section of scripture is kind of our, our definition, our outline for what the church should really look like. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. Um, I want you to know today, um, it might be a bit of a challenging message. Um, and, and here's what I would say about that is, 
One of the things that I experience um, anytime I preach is, is I realize how I'm convicted, um, how challenged, how um, encouraged I am in my own faith when I have to prepare a message, right? Because it's tough getting up here and, and proclaiming what this, this, this Bible says, but then I have to reflect on my own life and, and I have to go, and is what I'm telling them, am I doing that in my own life? I mean, it's, it's tough sometimes to do that. And, I, and one of the things I try to tell y'all anytime that I get up here is I don't have it all together. I'm still a work in progress. Anything I talk about or I encourage y'all in today, I, I promise you I'm struggling in that too, right? I don't have it all together. And so really today is gonna be a message that I'm gonna really kind of preach to myself. You get the benefit of hearing it as well, but I'm really preaching these words to myself. And so I need to be encouraged in these things just like you do, but one of the things I would encourage you, if you ever want to grow in your faith, you ever want to be challenged in your faith, go and try to write a message, right? Go and write a sermon. I've almost thought before I should write a message every single week in my life because there's nothing more challenging than when you have to try to teach God's word to somebody else because you're understanding that it grows to a new level. So I encourage you, look at that sometimes, try that sometimes. I, I really believe that you will be challenged in your faith if that's something um, that you would ever do. And so I know I always am. And so I always um, really enjoy the opportunity to, to preach God's word because it helps me grow in my own faith. So let's read this. This is Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47. And then we'll pray and we'll see what this has for us. It says this, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Let's pray. Father, um, we're just so thankful for the opportunity, um, God, to be together. God, the opportunity um, to worship and God, to sing praises to you, God, to align our, our hearts with you, God, that maybe um, this week has um, just been difficult for us. Maybe there's just been a lot of things going on in our, um, in our work life or our personal life. And God, I pray that right now in these, this moment that we come back to you, God, our focus comes and returns to you. And God, as we examine this, um, this section of scripture, God, your word that God, it'll speak to us, God, in the areas that you desire for us to grow in our life, the areas that you desire for our relationship with you to deepen. God, I pray that that's what takes place here this morning. And God, I pray that each person in this room, that you speak to their relationship with you uniquely. God, I pray that your, your spirit has the ability to do that, God. When your spirit comes to live within us, God, it has the ability to speak to us on an individual level, God. And so I pray that through these words, through your message, that your spirit does that, God, that we feel so closely connected with you this morning, God, and we can almost hear your voice, God, speaking to us, encouraging us, speaking just truth into our lives. And so, God, I pray that that's what takes place this morning. I pray that you challenge us and just grow us as we look at your words. So God, we love you and we praise you, amen. So here's what 
I want us to do as we go through this, this passage is I do encourage you to take notes. I encourage you to, again, pull out your phone, um, get some, something to write with. We have um, some note cards over at the Next Steps table that are always available if you ever want to just take some notes with. Encourage you to be able to do that um, because um, there's important things that we talk about. Not because my words are important, but because every single week we're gonna talk about um, this right here and there's gonna be something that maybe you wanna write down that maybe God wants to speak to you and, and grow you in. So I wanna encourage you to do that. And today in the, this section, there's gonna be 10 words, 10 words that I want you to write down. And these 10 words are words that I want you to reflect on the rest of the week. And I want you to reflect on the rest of your life. All right, so these are 10 very, very important words. And so we're just gonna walk through this scripture step by step. Let scripture be the thing that speaks to us this morning. So beginning in verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves. I want you to write down the word devoted. Write down the word devoted. Honestly, we could stop there today and just focus on they devoted themselves, right? Because there's incredible power in those three words, right? Because when we think about devotion, I think we really need to understand what does that look like? What does it truly mean to be devoted? When you look up and you study the Greek of this word, the definitions of this, it would explain to occupy oneself diligently with something, to pay persistent attention to, to hold fast to something, to continually be in, Right? This is this, this aspect of being very persistent. This is, it's considered to be kind of an ongoing nature whenever you are devoted to something. And so I was thinking about this and I was thinking about, man, what would be some exam examples for us to understand devotion a little bit better, right? Maybe I need to use some language that maybe we would understand a little bit better, right? So think about the devotion of being committed to a whole sleeve of Oreos, right? Some of y'all, you have some devotion to a whole sleeve of Oreos, right? I know I do, right? Pringles, right? Once you pop, it can't stop. It's true of my life. I'm devoted to it. Can't get enough of it, right? And I know there's some other people out here. Let's talk about another one that maybe this is a bit of a hot topic issue, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on to ledge and say this. Let's think about the devotion of people in Georgia that are fans of sports teams in Georgia, right? Think about the devotion no matter what happens, right? there's still this devotion to it, right? It doesn't matter how many times we are let down, right? And we still got our fingers crossed, right? There's still hope. But how many times are we let down? We thought that maybe there's a chance and then always something happens, right? The curse, right? But there's devotion to these things. Think about the devotion when you, the first week that you were dating your now spouse, right? Think about the devotion you had to that person, right? You, you thought about them all the time, right? You wanted to call them, you wanted to be with them, right? Some of these are, are silly examples, but we, if we're honest, we all understand the, the idea of devotion, right? But I wonder, man, have we really examined that in our, in our Christian walk, right? Are we really devoted to the things of God? This week we were um, in a all staff um, with um, our staff, that makes sense. And Brandon was leading us and this is something we do once a month and it's a time for us, for him to kind of just pour us into us as leaders. And um, he kind of made reference to a book that he had read recently. And the book was um, called The Motive and it's by, um, what's his name? It's um, by uh, Patrick Lencioni, that's his name. Um, many of you probably read some of his books before. He um, does a lot of books on leadership uh, and it wasn't, it's not a, a Christian book. I think he um, is a Christian, but um, it's, a, it's a book that's all about what's the motives of CEOs, right? And so he was, Brandon, what you use this, this illustration to really look at um, us as leaders and things that we needed to grow in. And so this um, pulling um, aspects from this book was something that we could really um, grow in. But the idea of this book is really 
um, where it's looking at this, the life of these two different CEOs and it's looking at what, the, what's the, what drives them? What is the, the motive behind what they do? And one CEO we recognize is um, they're, they're guided by a little bit more of like, they've worked hard, right? They've, um, they've worked their way up the ladder and kind of becoming CEO. That was kind of their, their goal all along. They're like, that's what I'm, I'm here to do. And this other CEO had a different view of it. And there was a section in the book where these two CEOs are talking and, and one of them asked the other one, why, why are you CEO? And honestly, he had struggled to really answer that. He's like, well, because I mean, that's just what I was always told myself I was going to do. This is what, you know, this, this, this is the end. This is the, I made it. I did the accomplishment. I made it to CEO. And he said, well, why are you CEO? And this is what the other guy said. And it's, and I think we can apply this to other areas of our life. He says, I want to be CEO because I see my job as a responsibility and a sacrifice. He said, you do it because you see it as a reward. I have the worst and the best, the loneliest and the most social, the most appreciated and the most thankless job in the company. And I do that with pride and without complaint because that's what I signed up for. And you look at that and I'm like, man, what if we took that mindset that that CEO had about his job where he viewed it as a sacrifice, as a responsibility, he recognized, look, this is what I signed up for, right? And there's gonna be good moments and there's gonna be tough moments. What if we applied that to all the other areas of our life? What if we applied it to our Christian life? What if we applied it to the role as being a husband or being a wife, being a, a father or a mother, being a friend? If we had that type of discipline that we looked at this and said, look, these relationships that we have are a responsibility. And I think that if that was our motive in these different relationships, how would that affect our devotion? Right? I believe that our motives are directly tied to our devotion. Because here's the thing, we have to ask ourselves as Christians, what did we sign up for? Right? If, we're, if somebody's asking us, why are you a Christian? And they're saying, and we need to understand the responsibility that goes with this. We need to understand what did we sign up for? Right? We signed up for a surrender life to Jesus. Right? When we accepted Jesus in that moment, we we understood that it means that we're laying down our desires. We are laying down our wants because of what I see Jesus did for me. Let's go back to the gospel. Let's remember the gospel for a second. What does the gospel tell us? The gospel tells us that, look, when we were created, there was this separation between us and God. When sin came into this, this world through Adam and Eve and they chose to go a different direction, there was a separation in that relationship between our heavenly father and us. And throughout all of our lives, we try to do all these different things to try to make ourselves right, right? To, to try to restore that relationship. But many of you, you've recognized there's nothing you can do on your own in order to do that. It says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God is what scripture says. It means that we all fall short of God's glory. So how do we, how do we reconnect with the creator of the universe? How is that supposed to happen if we can't do it on our own? Well, we realized that God recognized we couldn't do it on his own. On, on our own. And so he said, look, the only way is for me as your heavenly father to take on that sacrifice, that, that offense that you did to me requires payment. And the only one suitable to pay that is myself, right? Because I'm the only one that can take on that type of punishment. So he sent us his son, Jesus, to say, look, I'm willing to take that, that burden, that, that sin, that, that separation that's occurred because of, of your sin, I'm going to take that on. I'm going to stand in your place and I'm going to die on the cross for you. 
so that you can have life and so that you can have restore this relationship with you. And here's, here's the incredible thing. Even if you choose not to accept it, I'm still going to do it. I'm going to do it without you having to do anything. It's not about what you can do. Again, I'm doing this freely is what God is saying to us. And you look at that and, you look, and what happens in that moment of salvation is we all come to terms with that and we go, for many people, when they hear about the concept of Jesus, they're blown away and like, oh my gosh, God would, would do that for me? He would die for me? Wretched me? All the mistakes I've made and in that, in that moment of salvation, so many of you come to this, this place where you just go, God, I, I don't even know what to do. It's a place of worship. It's a place of surrender. And there's this, this moment that if our motive in our Christian faith came back to why do I do the things that I do? It's because of what Jesus did for me. If that's always our motive, then I believe our devotions will continue to increase if that continues to be our motive. If our motive is anything other than what Jesus did for me, and that's my motive in doing anything is because in a response to what Jesus did for me, then our devotions are never going to grow in the way that they're supposed to. Patrick in his book, again, addressing leaders, he said, when leaders are motivated by personal reward, they avoid the unpleasant situations and activities that leadership requires. He said, when leaders are motivated by rewards or by personal reward, they will avoid the unpleasant situations and activities that leadership requires. What if you thought about it this way? When Christians are motivated by what they get from Christ, they will avoid the discipline and the conviction that being a Christian entails. When Christians are motivated by what they get from Christ, they will avoid the discipline and the conviction that being a Christian entails. It's not about what, if we're just solely motivated by what Jesus gives me, right? Then our, our, our motive will never fulfill that, that devotion. And so I, I encourage you, when you think about this word, where's your devotion level at with the, lo, with the Lord? Where's your motive come from? Are you motivated by what Jesus did for you and that it moves and spurs you on in your faith? Let's continue reading. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. I want you to write down apostles' teaching. Apostles' teaching. Throughout scripture, we realize that there is incredible importance given on the teaching of God's word, right? When these um, Christians were together, they were constantly listening to the apostles. The rest of the New Testament is these apostles and these different people speaking and, and, and giving us God's word, what we now refer to as God's word. They were all committed to hearing these conversations because they knew how important that it was. Right, if they recognized that, um, that they had a savior, that Jesus did something for them and that, um, that they couldn't do in and of themselves, then, then they understood, man, I wanna know all about this guy. I wanna grow in my faith as much as I possibly can. And so there's something to the preaching of God's word that we have to understand it is important. It's vital to our faith. It's essential to who we are as believers. And I think we all know that. I think we understand that, like hearing God's word and, 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 and doing these things, it's an important thing. But one of the things that I've noticed is, is the impact it can truly have on a life, right? And I think we, we know it, but we don't always recognize it. And one of the ways I recognize the importance and the reality of what God's word does to our lives is how it affects how we view certain circumstances and the way that I see that more often than any other way is through my children. One of the things that I've, I've realized is that speaking 
God's word to my children at a very young age has made a tremendous impact in the way they view themselves, the way that they view their circumstances, the way that they view us. And now let me, let me let you know, like I'm not the perfect parent at trying to teach my kids the Bible, right? I try, right? But it's, it's a work in progress and it's kind of messy yet sometimes. And there's, there's times that I miss it, but I, we try to be intentional to, to read the Bible with them, to pray with them, right? We try to be intentional with making sure they're um, getting the content from Connection Kids, right? They're watching the videos that they're, they're growing these things. But one of the things that I've, I've realized is that sometimes you're not aware of what they're um, retaining when you're just trying to do all these things. And it comes out when they say certain comments. And so I think about my daughter Harper and think about the different comments that she said to me um, over the past couple of years that she's beginning to learn how to talk. She's, she's four now. Um, but here's some of the truths that she's told me at, at just random times. She goes, she came up to me one time. And she said, Daddy, look, even though we can't see God, he's everywhere. And I'm like, you're, you're right. He, he is everywhere. That, that, that's really good. And she goes, did you know, Daddy, that you can ask Jesus for anything? And I'm like, I, yeah, I, I did know that. that. That's really good. She goes, you know what? Jesus keeps me safe from um, fireworks and from thunder and from so many things. And I'm like, Harper, you're, you're absolutely right. He does keep you safe. That's a, that's a really good principle to have. A couple of weeks ago, we were in here and she looked over here at the baptismal and she said, I want to be baptized. And ever since um, her, her aunt got baptized, she's been obsessed with, with baptism. And she just said, I, I want to be baptized. And I'm like, all right, first of all, you're four. This might be a little early. Like, and so I just look at her and I was like, why do you even want to be baptized, right? I'm going to kind of challenge her, her theology on this a little bit, make sure she really understands what she's doing. She says, well, Jesus tells me to, and I just want to make Jesus happy. Really? Like, all right, I guess maybe we need to start having some conversations. But it just, it blew me away. But there was one other moment in time that she said something that this is when it hit it, hit it for me. This is when I recognized this, is that, um, again, many of you know that um, Harper, um, she has epilepsy, so she has um, seizures, and it's just been a, um, a really tough um, thing to deal with. And, but we've seen God uh, move through the whole thing. But several months ago, uh, my wife and decided to sit down with her and just have a conversation with her about it. We've never really talked to her directly about it and, and because a lot of times she doesn't remember when, when these things happen. And so she wanted to talk to her to, for her to understand what was going on in her body, to see, does she have any understanding of what's happening? And so Natalie's talking to her and she's just explaining to her that, you know, that her brain and her body just ha sometimes have a hard time communicating with one another, but that God made her special and that God was, was working all things together and that we um, are very intentional. The reason we pray with you every night and pray for healing over you is because we want to pray that, that God restores these connections in your, in your body from your head to your body. And, and so she's saying all this and she's talking and Harper's just listening. She's hearing all of it. And so Natalie's not really sure. Is she, is she understanding any of this? Is she not? And so she sat and she finished talking. Harper just kind of sat there for a second and she thought to herself and she goes, well, mommy, God put it in my head. So I guess he knows how to work it. And it's like, in that moment, here's what that taught me in that moment. Is this, this is gonna be a long season for Harper, right? This is gonna be something and we're gonna pray that we see her healed, but this might be something she deals with for a very, very long time. Don't you think she's gonna to need to be reminded that, hey, God made her brain, God made her body and he did that? He probably knows how to work it. Right? That's a truth that she's going to need to remember that because her circumstances in her life are going to be difficult at times, but if she can cling to God's word, right? If she can cling to those truths, if she can remind her parents when we worry and when we doubt and when we fear, and she can hold on to those truths, think of the impact it'll have on her life. 
of how she views her circumstances, of how she views who she are, who she is. And she recognizes that she was created by the heavenly father who loves her and knit her together in the way that he wanted to knit her together. And he still holds her in his arms. It's not out of control to him. That she has that truth, she has that understanding. Why is the apostles' teaching important to us? Because when we have God's word planted in our hearts, when circumstances, when things happen in our lives, we can hold true to God's word. Nothing else will sustain us in the same way. So if I can see that, that evidently in a four-year-old of the impact of just trying to, to tell her some truths as, as, as often as I can, that it already is plain a difference in the way that she looks at her life and looks at her situations, that man, how much can I learn from that as well? That maybe the reason that I get bummed out, maybe the reason that I struggle from time to time is that I'm not holding tight to God's word in that same way. Are we devoted to the apostles' teaching? Are you devoted to the apostles' teaching? Why do we do things like close the gap, right? That I talked about at the start of the service where we have these opportunities to really grow in our understanding. Why is there a group of people over in heart and soul doing the Connection Equipping Academy where they're trying to really grow in their faith, understand why God made them the way that they did, understand why he does the things that he does? Why do we talk to you about the, the DIY stuff that we talked about over the past couple of years where we try to equip you of how do you actually study God's word on your own, that you can do it on yourself. And how, what are the steps to be able to do that? What are the steps to be able to go through God's word? Why do we provide the kids curriculum for our parents, right? It's because of the example that I just gave with Harvard that we, we put these truths in us that it affects the rest of our life. It affects how we do everything. We don't do these things at church just because we want you to do something else. We do it because we're devoted to the apostles' teaching, and it makes a difference in how we live our lives. It says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Write down the word fellowship. Fellowship. When you look up that word, it's, um, this is the description or the explanation of this in the original Greek. It says to share with someone in something above and beyond the relationship itself, to give someone a share of something, giving up yourself for the sake of others. They understood the importance of fellowship, the importance of being with one another, of encouraging one another. But this type of fellowship, it required sacrifice on both ends, right? It wasn't just hanging out with one another. It was we're, we are invested in each other, right? And that we are doing all that we can to encourage one another, to challenge one another, to really actively say, are we in this thing together? Are we arm in arm, right? In this, this thing called Jesus. Are we, are we together in all that we do? What we see here is we see that fellowship with Jesus is closely tied with fellowship with one another, right? Fellowship with Jesus, having a relationship with Jesus is very closely tied with fellowship with one another. The two are, are together. And so here's what I think we can learn from that. We can learn that if we are out of fellowship with Jesus, more than likely we're gonna be out of fellowship with one another, right? Out of fellowship of the church if we don't have that fellowship with Jesus. But I also think this, is that if we are out of fellowship with one another, it could mean, this may be an indicator that we are out of fellowship with Jesus. If we are out of fellowship with each other, this could mean, this could indicate that we might be out of fellowship with Jesus because the two are so closely tied with one another. Our interaction with other believers 
is so imperative to our walk with Jesus. We can't pursue Jesus by ourselves. It requires other people. Is there a personal side to it? Absolutely. But it is essential and almost required for us to be with one another in addition to us just being with Jesus. The two are so closely together. One of the things that we see in this passage, we see that they were together in the, in the temple courts, right? That was the kind of the large gatherings, but they were also together in their homes, right? It's, it's large gatherings, it's small gatherings. There's time that we have to spend with one another. But if we are gonna give up ourselves for the sake of others, the thing that's required is that we have to be around one another in order to do that. You can't give up of yourself to somebody else if you're not with them. There's something tangible about being with one another. Just how I was saying at the start of the service, there's something tangible about hearing a collective room of voices singing praises to Jesus. There is no separation of that, right? We have these, these mics that pick up the, the, the audience a little bit, but that doesn't come through on the computer, right? You can't hear that. It doesn't have the same effect. Fellowship has to take place with one another. The reason we do things like ladies night out, the reason we do things like fall festival is opportunity for us to be with one another. It's important, right? There's something to that. There's something special about that. There's something that we as the church body, we are called to that. It's, it's just vital to our faith. And we see that the early church, they were devoted to that. They knew this was just an aspect of life. The next one, to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. Write down breaking of bread. When they used this language um, to break bread, um, it was to eat together. That's what they meant by that. It meant to, when they were breaking bread, it meant that they were eating together, that they were giving thanks to God when this was happening, right? And the other thing is that breaking bread together, eating with one another, it seemed like it just happened in conjunction with all these other things that this passage talked about, right? It, it had... They ate together while they were studying God's word, while they were fellowshipping, while they were praying, while they were praying or um, praising, while they were worshiping, while they were doing all these things. Prayer was just, or was just a, a, a part of that. Eating was just a part of that. Excuse me, I was just getting ahead of myself. Is that they, they so closely tied eating with the other things that it was, just, it was just part of their life. They knew that eating or praising God, studying God's word, fellowship, Prayer, all those things were as normal and as practical as eating a meal. And so they tied the two together because they knew we're constantly going to eat with one another. So let's, let's tie this together. One of the other things that you think about when you think about breaking of bread is you think about communion, right? The gift that Jesus gave us you know, the night before he goes to the cross, he gets his um, disciples together and for the last supper, right? And he gives them this this gift of, of communion where he says, look, here's what I want you to do. I'm, and he takes the bread and he takes the juice and he said, this, this is my body that's gonna be broken for you. This is the blood that's gonna be shed for you. And I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And he gave them this because he said, I want you to, be, to not miss what I'm about to do on this cross. And I want it to be something that you do over and over and over again because it's so important for you to constantly go back to the gospel, go back to the cross. That we as Christians, we can't ever lose sight of that. And I don't want to get so focused on, you know, were they taking communion or doing this every single day? Were they doing it once a week? Were they, you know, how often do we need to do that? I don't think that's the, that's the point of it. I think the point is really looking at this was something that we were called to do on a pretty repetitive nature, right? And we can probably have some different opinions of how that, that, um, that, that happens, but we do recognize that I think the reason that 
taking communion together is so special is that there is something when we're doing that, that there's, I feel like we feel the presence of God in a, in a way that we, we don't at other times, right? And, and maybe it's different for you. I, I just know that when you sit and you reflect on what God's done for you, and you think about the fact, and you put yourself in the shoes of maybe what the disciples were like when they were taking communion for that first time, and he was giving this to us, and we think about they were in his presence when he did this. And when we do this as well, when we take part in communion, we too, it's as if we were in that room with them, taking communion, remembering what Jesus did for us. The reason they were so committed to this is it brought them into the presence of God in a such a real way. The thing that I would ask you is that when you come into this building, week in, week out, are you coming expecting to be in God's presence, expecting to connect with the creator of the universe? Or are you coming in just to hear a, a sermon and some good music? When you go to, to, to connect group or you go to a small group, are you going there expecting God to move? Are you going there full of the spirit? Or are you going there to hang out with friends? Again, hanging out with friends, that, that's part of it. We need to hang out with one another. We need to have a good time. Christians can have fun, all right? Promise they can. But there should be something about when we're together and we're breaking bread with one another, and we're being reminded of what Jesus did for us, that there's a longing for that. There's an expectation. I'm about to be in the presence of God Almighty. And what happens when I'm devoted to that type of of action on a continual basis that continues to bring me back to that state of mind. So I encourage you, what, is that regular in your life? Are you taking the opportunities to do that in your life? You don't just have to do communion here on Sundays. You can do that on your own. You can do that with your connect group. You can do that with your family. Give thanks to God, be reminded of that, okay? The next thing it says, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. I want you to write down prayer. Often throughout scripture, you see um, the, so often the, uh, the different writers of scripture, they say things, and Paul said this a lot. He says, you know, I, I remember you in my prayer. So like, prayer was just such a, um, a regular occurrence. It wasn't a scheduled thing. It was just something that if they got together with one another, they were gonna pray. That was just gonna be something that they were gonna do because it was so essential. And the things that I was thinking about with this is that why don't we do that more? Why are we not more devoted to prayer? And I asked myself that, why am I not more devoted to prayer? Several, or probably about a month ago or so, um, I um, was just kind of thinking about things. And, and as, I, as I mentioned um, with um, different things that we've dealt with Harper, um, this year's kind of been t tough for us. We've kind of run, run into some, some different obstacles and it's just been a, been a tough year. Luckily, the past couple of months have been really good. We've seen a lot of favor, we've got, seen God move in some incredible ways, but there was a several month period where it was just, it was tough. And it was just really difficult. And I kind of got to a point where I was struggling. I was struggling with my relationship with the Lord. I was, and I st I'm still in that spot a little bit, to be perfectly honest. And I remember I was, um, Joey, who's on, on staff with us, one of our pastors, uh, many of you know that he works here and he's also um, a licensed counselor. And um, Joey's become um, a very, very good friend of mine. And um, what's great about working with him is that um, I get free counseling. So it's awesome. Um, but like I went to him um, about a month ago because I was like, Joey, like I'm honestly, man, I'm struggling. And I, I don't know, maybe I, you know, do I need to go to counseling? Do I need to try to work through these thoughts? Cause I just am struggling with some of these, these thoughts and how to deal with kind of just the reality of our situation sometimes. And it was difficult. And, and then we kind of started talking about, you know, just 
um, you know, praying for Harper and, and, and praying that you know, we see God do something in this and how sometimes that's even difficult for me. It's tough sometimes to, to even pray because I just struggle with it. And he, he kind of pushed back on me and he said, John, why is that? Why is that even a struggle for you? And I kind of danced around it for a while. I, I said a lot of different things of why it was a struggle. And finally, I just, I paused for a long, long time and he just let me sit there. And I go, I guess, because I think that it just won't work. And it's not going to make any difference. And he looked at me and he said, finally, you said it. He said, because you danced around it for a while. That was the reality of where I was, is that sometimes I doubt it. Sometimes I wonder, is this going to do anything? And I'm willing to bet I'm not the only one in this room you've ever questioned that, right? I think we all have had moments where we just go, is this going to do anything? Does God even hear me? Does it, how does this even work? How do, why does this affect things? Why does it seem like he hears some people and not other, other people? What's going on with all of this? And here's, what I, here's the only thing I know to be true, right? That's, that's a real struggle for me, right? And it's going to be something I'm going to have to continue to, um, to, to grow in. Here's the way that I grow in it. One of the things that I know to be true in my life is God's word because I made a decision, right? At the start of my relationship with Jesus, that I was going to surrender to him. I was going to put my faith and my hope in him, which meant one of the byproducts of that is saying that I'm going to have to choose to believe that this is true, right? One of the things that says in here in the book of James, it says that prayer is powerful and effective. God's word does not come back void. God's word is true. So whether I believe it all the time doesn't mean whether it's not true or not, right? It says that prayer is powerful and effective, so I've got to choose to believe it, even when I don't. I need other people in my life who pour into me. There's been times that Brandon says, you know what? We're going to keep on pushing. We're going to keep on praying for Harper. We're not going to give up on this thing. The Gatos, every single time that I see them, they say, we are praying for Harper. We are praying for Harper. We're praying miracles for Harper. They're not giving up. So when I doubt, I've got the body of Christ, the fellowship with other people, which is essential to my own relationship with Jesus, I see that that fellowship is encouraging me. When I say, I don't know if it's going to work, they speak truth and say, no, it is going to work because God's word is true. And I need that. All right. Do you understand that? Look, the reason Brandon has gotten up here for the past year and said, Church, we need to be praying. Once a month, we're going to get together and we're going to have these moments of being able to pray and worship one another. Not that we should only do it once a month, but just collectively, we're going to do this and you should come and be a part of this thing. I really encourage you. It's a big part of this. I want you to, to come and, and do this. The reason as our pastor, the one that is, is caring for us, the reason he's encouraging us in this is because it is vital to our faith. And because we look at the early church and we see that they were devoted to it. It was a part, it was just who they were. Every Thursday morning, there's a group of, of guys and girls that come up here and they pray. And they, um, the, the Gatos do it, Brandon does it, Mr. Butch, who you've heard from before, and several others, they come in and they do this. They just pray for us. They pray for this church. They pray for this community. But what, you know what I see in that is I see their devotion. They're here week in and week out. Not because it's a religious thing for them, but it's because they're devoted to it. And I pray that that devotion, their devotion, will be infectious in me, that it will be infectious to you. The reason next week we're going to get together is because we should be devoted to this. This is important. Carrying on, it says, everyone was filled with awe. I want you to write down the word awe. 
our sense of awe comes from our need of Jesus. If we don't recognize how much we need Jesus, we will never have a sense of awe of what God did for us. It says they were filled with awe with all the many wonders and the signs performed by the apostles. Here's what I would say about this. Is I think for many of us, the day that we realized we needed Jesus more than any other day was our day of salvation, right? That moment that we came face to face with a savior and we recognized our sin, we recognized our need for Jesus and we were like, man, I need him. And we recognized it greater than any other time. But in reality, I think this, I think that each day that we are in Christ, that day should be the day, should be the, 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 the day that we realize our greatest need for Jesus every day of our life. For every single person in this room, I pray that today you recognize your need for Jesus more so than you have any other day of your life. And tomorrow and tomorrow, because as we grow in our faith, as we grow in our relationship with Lord, our need for Jesus doesn't get smaller. It gets bigger, right? Because the more we understand Jesus and we understand the gospel, the more we understand what he did for us, the more we understand how far we really were removed from God and how great of a thing that it was that he did for us. And so as we grow in our relationship with God, then our need for him should grow even greater, which means that our sense of all, our sense of, I can't believe you did this for me. I can't believe that the creator of the world came for me. Our sense of all, what God does, the, the incredible things that he does should grow. It says all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I want you to write down the word give. What we see in this group of believers is there is a radical generosity in them. And this was a, this was a voluntary thing. This was an occasional thing. This wasn't them just selling everything and all just living on commune, right? They still owned, owned things, but there was moments in time when they recognized needs that maybe some people that owned a lot of land, maybe they would sell some of the land to be able to give to people in need, but there was an awareness of the needs, right? In order to be, to have a kind of a radical generosity, you need to have a radical sensitivity of what's going on all around you, right? To be aware of the needs of the people around you. And so that's something that we as, as a body of believers are called to as well. We're called to be generous, right? Not just generous here on, to, to a church, right? When we, and we, when we give on a Sunday, when we give to a church, it's not out of obligation. It's not, it's not because we just are here on a Sunday, so I guess I should give. It's because, man, I'm, I believe in what we're doing, I believe, and I, and I want to sacrifice to that. I want to be radically generous to that because I believe in what's happening, and I, and I want to see this continue to happen. But, man, we should be generous in all areas of our life, not just to the church, not just even financially. Right? We should be generous in so many different things because that's what we saw the early church do. And it was, it was known at, during the, the, this, this um, season of, of, the, of eternity that basically that they were known for this. They were known for their generosity. People looked at them and like, man, there's just something weird about them because they care for one another and they care for these outside needs and they just seem to be able to handle it all. And it's just this incredible thing. And it was this, this picture to the rest of the world. And so I encourage you, what, what does that look like for you? Is there a devotion to that? Is there a devotion to that type of generosity? It says, every day they continue to meet together. I want you to write down the word meet together, or two words, meet together. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. This was not just done because um, 
That was what they did. I was like, oh, well, I'm gonna go to church today. And that's just what I do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna meet together. This was just a part of their life. It was an aspect of their life. They were committed to meeting with one another. It goes on and it says they broke bread. Again, we see that in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere heart, praising God. I want you to write down praising God. Worship was a huge aspect of their life. It, again, it was tied into all these other things that when they got together, they worshiped. What we realized is that our worship reveals our motives and our devotions. We wanna see what we're devoted to. We wanna see what, what motivates us. Look at our worship, look at what we worship, right? Look at what Sunday worship looks like. The reason that so often um, you hear from different pastors, they a lot of times relate um, us being at a, a sports game to, to worship is because you see what we're passionate about, right? You see what we're excited about. And I'm not trying to not go in, go in and doing that and being excited for your team, but you see that when you're motivated by when your team's winning and there's a huge devotion that comes from that and, and your, your praise for that, your celebration of that overflows from that. Well, I wonder, what does it look like? What, when we are praising and worshiping God, is it coming from that same place of going, man, I'm so motivated by what's happening. I'm so motivated by what God is doing in my life. And it finally says, this is how it says, in enjoying the favor of all people. I want you to write down the word enjoy or glad or sincere. There's this idea that they enjoyed what was going on. They enjoyed God moving in their lives. It wasn't gloomy. I think oftentimes, I know for myself, I can allow my circumstances to affect the way that I view my life, um, to, to even view God. But they were, again, so, so focused on their relationship with the Lord, so focused on Jesus that led to this incredible gratitude. And they just, they were happy. It didn't mean everything was perfect. It just meant like, man, how can we think about Jesus and not be glad? How can we think of well, if if again, our motive is that Jesus died for us, man, that's a great day every single day when we think about it that way. Here's my, my question. You've got 10 things that you've written down, 10 things to examine your devotion on. Here's what I would challenge you with. The rest of this week, I want you to think about these 12 things and go, what is my devotion level to these things? Can I say that I'm devoted to them? Can I say that I'm just kind of interested in them? What does that look like? I want you to think about these things for the next week. I want you to think about this the rest of your life because we should continue to examine these things because that's, we should be to, devoted to these things. If we want to get back to what the early church looked like, be devoted to these things. And that's when we'll see God do incredible things. So here's what happened. When they were devoted to these things, the last line of this section is what happens. It says, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I believe that came from their devotion, the devotion to those things, being committed to that. God was able to work in and through them because of that devotion. Over the past couple months, you've heard um, these six verbs that we've talked about, about demonstrate and declare, equip and encourage, set apart and send, right? These things that every church should be about and these things that we're gonna be about as a body of believers. When we think about demonstrating and declaring the gospel, the way that we do that, it will be through our devotion. Our devotion and the church's devotion to these things we talked about will demonstrate and declare the gospel to this world. It will reveal that the Spirit's in us and it will reveal to this, the community out there that, 
that something's happening, and I want to know a little bit more about that. The Lord is the one who adds to the number, right? It's not, we, don't, we can't force people to come to know Jesus, but God uses us as instruments to be a part of that process, and I believe he uses our devotion to these things. That is going to be our letter to this community, how devoted we are. People will, you recognize someone's devotion, right? When someone's devoted to something, you see it in them. When we look at our devotion level with these things, do people see that devotion level in you? That's challenging. That's something that, that's why it's been tough for me to hear this is because that's a tough thing to look at and go, do people see that devotion in me? Here's the thing, and here's how, how I wanna end. Chase is gonna come out here in a second and we're gonna, we're gonna take communion together. I think that's an important thing for us to be able to do could, together. But here's the thing I thought about with this message. When you think about what we read today is that so much of this is about being with one another, right? So much of this is involved with that. Well, how do you have a message like this in a post-COVID world, right? Because that's the thing that we almost are trying to avoid, right? Is being with one another. And the answer to that is, I don't know the perfect answer to that. I don't know what it's supposed to look like for you. I get that the, the fear is real, right? And in my family, we experienced that before COVID even got here. Because for us, you know, um, Harper deals with a lot of anxiety because of um, the trauma in her life. And so a lot of times we don't like to be around uh, people because we don't want to try to trigger anything. Sickness is a big trigger for her as well. So being around people and, 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 and risking that, sending her to daycare, things like that, we, we worry about sometimes. It's, it's difficult, but we go, man, it's essential that she's in Connection Kids because she needs to hear God's word. And we've got to fight for some of these things, but it's not an easy process. A conversation me and Natalie had this week was this, was that when, it, when are they gonna come back to kids? Because March 8th was the last time that my girls were in Connection Kids because we just got like, we're, we're trying to protect them. We, we wanna make wise decisions. We can't just disregard that. And, and we gotta protect her. We're, her. we're her parents. We gotta protect her in this thing. And I, but see, she's back at school. She, Adeline's in daycare and we're going, what's, what's stopping us from coming? And me and Natalie were talking and it was kind of one of those things of, I know we need to, we just, we just haven't because it's, it's just easier not to. It's easier to keep her in our safe arms because every time we have to go put her in, in somebody else's protection, right? Is we have to have that conversation with her. Is, hey, she has seizures. This is what you need to look for. And, and we wonder, are they going to be as diligent watching her as we are? And they aren't because they're not her parents. They don't know her like we do. So there's a fear. And so sometimes it's just easier. Just, it's just easier to say, you know what? I'll, we'll just keep them because we don't want to have to have that conversation and remind ourselves of the reality of her situation. Sometimes that's, we don't want to talk about it because we don't, it makes it more real when we talk about it. But see, here's the thing. This morning, both of my girls are back in Connection Kids for the first time since March 8th. And that doesn't make me, oh, wow, look how faithful John is. Wow, that's so, that's so incredible. Here's the thing, right? We had to get over the fact that we had to have that conversation when we dropped her off with the connectors over there. And we had to speak to them and say, you need to watch this. You need to be aware of this because look, we're gonna be in this room and we're gonna have some fear because we don't know what's going on over there. But this is too important. Her time with other people is too important. So we're gonna fight for it. I think about my parents, right? For many of you know that my dad's in a wheelchair, right? And so his immune system is, is more susceptible to, to things, right? He has to be more cautious with things. Doesn't have control of these muscles right here. So coughing, right, is a difficult thing for him to do. So we're a respiratory disease, right? What's going on right now 
is a pretty big issue for him, right? And for the longest time, they weren't able to come. They weren't able to participate because they're like, it would be unwise for us to do that. And they needed to make that decision. That was a good decision, a wise decision for them to make. But I saw them wrestle with this week in and week out because they ached to be here. They longed to be here. And so finally they made the decision. They're like a couple months ago, we're gonna come back and we're gonna, we're gonna sit up on the front row, right? Well, that's where they always sat because that's how they roll. You'll get that joke here in a second. There it is, okay, right? But we're gonna sit up front so that way we don't have to interact with a bunch of people. And before the service gets over, we're gonna, we're gonna go out these doors right here, right? We're not gonna to have to cross by a bunch of people. We're gonna go out these doors because and we, we gotta to try to watch ourselves a little bit more. We wanna make a wise decision, but here's the thing, it's too important. I've gotta be here. I need to grow in my relationship with God. I need to be with other people. Yes, there's a risk and we're gonna make a wise decision, but we're gonna fight for it. These are the same people that growing up, we didn't go to church. It wasn't a priority, but a couple of years ago, the Lord got a, got a hold of their lives. And now they're like, man, we crave this. We're devoted to this. It's too important, right? Here's, so here's my challenge, right? You need to make a decision. You online need to make a decision that's best for you. But I want to see, is there a fight in you? Is there some grit in you to say, we're going to fight for this? And there's all different reasons of why you can or cannot come, right? I have my own reasons. My parents had their own reasons. You have your own reasons. But is there a fight in you for it? If you can't come in this room, and I'm looking at you online today, if you can't come in this room, you know what you can do? You can have some people over your house, sit on your back patio. And you know what you can do? You can be dedicated to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to fellowship. You can take communion together because you need to be together. You cannot do this by yourself. I too often try to do it on my own. It's a weakness of mine. I'm, sometimes it's just easier for me to be by myself. I can't do it by myself. I need other people. So I challenge you. If you know somebody, there's, there's extreme reasons why they can't be there, be here, go to them. Go to them in a safe way and say, let's do this together. I'm willing to sacrifice myself for your benefit because I realize your situation, but we're gonna fight for this. We're gonna fight to be with one another. And we're not gonna allow the enemy, we're not gonna allow a sickness to keep us apart because this is too important. It is way, way too important. So here's what I want us to do. Chase is gonna sing a song. And I'll, this is what I want us to do. I want us to take the time that he's singing just to reflect on the Lord. You should have gotten some of these little communion cups when you walked in. If you didn't, they're, they're by the door. You can grab one when you do it. I want y'all to wait to take it until um, he finishes singing. Um, he's just gonna do a couple verses because we're a little over time. But I want us to take this, this opportunity just to reflect. Reflect on what we talked about today. Reflect on your own relationship with the Lord. And then together, we're gonna do this and we're gonna celebrate what Jesus did for us. So you can sit, you can stand, you can do whatever you need to. I just want you to listen to these words and allow them to speak God's goodness over your life. So Chase, if you lead us.